0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Luke Burridge.
2: Hi, I'm Juliana.
1: This is the first time we've had Juliana on the SFF Audio Podcast. That's pretty exciting. A new guest host, I guess, or guest panelist. What do you call them? Hosts or panelists or...?
0: Mm, we we don't really have a name for them, but uh readers. <laughs>
1: oh
0: yeah, yes, we read the book.
2: <laughs> readers and we're,
0: talkers. Yeah. Yeah, we read we we just read the eighteen ninety nine slash nineteen ten slash nineteen twenty three novel, uh The Sleeper Awakes, aka When the Sleeper Awakes. Um
1: No
0: When uh, the Sleeper Wakes. When the Sleeper
1: Wakes or the Sleeper, the sleeper Awakes. Awake.
0: Yeah, it's very confusing and there's more than one version and we were just trying to sort out which one everybody read. Okay. So, I read the audiobook version as my primary <laughs> version.
1: From, and do you know which uh, version that was?
0: Um, yes, I, I'm pretty sure it was the 1910 revision. Um, yes. but I'm not 100% sure if it was the 1923 revision <laughs> as well. Uh, I don't know. Difference they they difference actually difference say difference. If it was the 1899 version, which is not correct, I'm pretty sure yeah, um, at yeah. Time they said it was first published in 1899 and that is true, but it, it it's it's misleading so which happened,
1: one did you guys what read was that this was originally done by H.G. Wells uh, written by HG. Wells and, and published um, I guess serially in a, some kind of magazine I'm not entirely sure it doesn't say well, in gra- the preface um, it's, a, it's called the graphic the graphic fully
0: illustrated it was uh, yeah. serialized over at least a year.
1: So uh, so then when he when it was collected together into a single novel he said ah I can now put this together into a much better book and he actually wrote a preface to the book which is quite funny um where he says uh ah, when I was writing this I was kind of busy at the time with another book um Love and Mr Lewisham he says that was the one that was on my mind and I but I needed to get this out and I was I was rushing it a bit and I, the story plan wasn't exactly as I wanted to um And then he says, it's now 12 years since The Sleeper was written. Um, He goes, and I now play merely the part of an editorial elder brother to cut out relentlessly a number of long tiresome passages that showed all too plainly the fagged toiling brain, the heavy, sluggish, driven pen, and straighten out certain indecisions at the end. Except for that, I've done no more than hack here and there at clumsy phrases and repetitions. Um, So that's writing-wise. And there's some other bits and pieces which we might talk about later on uh, Mm -hmm. that he other changes, you know. But it it seems to be mostly um, when he gets to the end is, like, he wanted to make the end clearer um, and uh, less um, some some of it less ambiguous and other parts more ambiguous because some people thought he meant one thing by the ending and he meant something else by the ending. But we can talk about that once we get to the ending.
2: Yeah, so, mm-hmm. um, the ending is very free to interpret lots of things into it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Know. yeah but you read, you read the original When the Sleeper Wakes. I don't uh, I think read- she... I don't think she did. I
0: think she read the revision, the 1910 revision. Almost nobody has the original. Um, That's one of the cool things that I think my project to make these PDFs available is to make the original sources whenever possible up there because there are big differences, well, at least some big differences. And, you know, when we're talking about this is sort of a forecasting technology story, if you're looking at it from the 1923 revision or the 1910 revision, or at least publications. Um, you know, we've got airplanes, and in 1923, we've we've, we've had World War One, right? Yeah. There's a lot of technological change between 1899 and 1910, and even more in between 19, 1899 and 1923. So, the, oh, are we having internet problems?
1: Machine, there's a walking machine, and it's like a, a, a machine which then uh, you know its name becomes its function, or its or its uh, its process or function becomes its name with just the word machine stuck on the end of this. But this is very clearly that it says airplanes. Uh, yeah, in this
0: yes. uh,
2: uh, well, well, two Aeropile. aeropile and
0: aeroplane. Yeah, yeah, it's both. Okay. Um. In I, I've got the preface to the 1923 edition. Yeah. It's not it's not the same introduction as the one you were reading. Yeah. Um. Uh, but it gives some of the same ideas and i wanted to throw this out here as well it says this book the sleeper awakes was written in that remote and comparatively happy year of 1898 it is the first of the series of books which i have written in the interval uh and the later on ones include the world set free uh he calls them fantasias of possibility and uh he also cites his later novel the war in the air which is I just think prior to World War One, mm. um, and then he says, "This is a suppose these forces go on novel," and he he cites a number of things saying what's wrong with the book in the introduction here. Mostly, he's saying that he hadn't met a lot of rich people back then, and he didn't know what they were like. He thought HGL they were well.
1: Didn't know what they were like.
0: Yes, that's right. He thought that they were all evil geniuses sort of asshole intelligentsia yeah um he says um i'll read the exact quote here he says uh he thought they were a quote body of men who had the character and largesse of the imagination necessary to combine and overcome the natural insubordination of the worker (laughs) um and he says i was very young in those days i was 32 i had met few big businessmen and i still thought of them as wicked able men it was only later that I realized that, on the contrary, they were, for the most part, rather foolish plungers, fortunate and energetic rather than capable, vulgar rather than wicked, and quite incapable of worldwide construction of plans or generously combined, combining action. Yeah. Um, and then he points to Ostrog, who is, I guess, the big baddie of this story, other than the White Council, mm. um, as being... Uh, this is he, he thinks of this as a nightmare of capitalism triumphant. Um, yeah. and, and he also points to a later book that was published... Uh, oh, sorry, this is from 1921, ni- 1923. But he points to a later book that was published um, called The Servile State, which was saying um, that there was this trend that was a bad trend that was going to make everybody um, more like a kind of weird combination of capitalist socialism where the we were all going to be working for companies and the was kind of like Japan, I guess, where you've got the you, you become a corporate citizen, right? Citizen yeah. of Toyota, you citizen of Honda. Um, and that, that was a bad thing.
1: Well, have you read the unincorporated man? Um, of course yeah and that's a very similar kind of thing someone falls asleep in fact it's pretty much the sleeper wakes pretty much the same story Um, and he comes out the other side and he's like but instead of owning everything he's kind of then outside of the system whereas in the sleeper awakes he's at the head of the system Uh, Mm -hmm. it's a different kind of thing yeah it's interesting with this H.G. Wells he does write quite you know all of his books are based in you know politics of the day and socialist ideas um which is, in some ways, I'm thinking, is that progressive or is it not? You know, this is sort of like, yay, Marxism, but this is before the Soviet Union kicked off or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a strange, it's a strange um, mix of, of ideas.
0: So just to, just to sort out uh, which version we've got, finally, ultimately, have- you will know if you're reading the original when uh, our main character Graham wakes up. Yeah. Uh, He's eventually put in a room called the Silent Rooms. that's right. And very early in that chapter, he looks at the bookshelf, which is not really a bookshelf. It's more like a spool shelf, right They only have audiobooks in the future, which is kind of cool. <laughs> um, and on that shelf is labeled a in phonetically, the Man who would be King." That's the only book specifically mentioned in the original publication, 18, 1899. In the subsequent publications, I think the ones we all read—that um, is, uh, it's actually three books—and he says these are the books that are obviously uh, well loved in the future, right? So, yeah. *And Who Would Be King* by Rudyard Kipling, uh, kind of important for this story, I think, as well. Um, also, in it, so in the first one, there's only that book. In all subsequent versions, there's *The Man Who Would Be King*, *The Madonna of the Future* by uh, Henry James.
1: Yeah, and the and heart, of
0: darkness. heart of darkness, which he specifically calls out as being a uh, classic of literature, right? Yeah, a
1: great work. So um, yeah, Yudhanna did actually read when the sleeper awakes. It's just no, oh, yeah. she read when the sleeper awakes. I yeah, think I true. think they just changed the title for different continents.
0: I, yes, yeah.
2: they did. And I just brought up the um, the original PDF that you sent me from the graphic, and you're right, it's not it's not in there. And also. There is actually the phonetic spelling. I don't know in, in Luke's book. In my book, it it, it says here, Oi, men who be kin." Yeah, but it's because
1: it that, that it, it's it, not it's
2: not it's not phonetic spelling, but in the notice original the N language, is supposed like, to be
0: like a N is is, is a it's supposed to be the sound, right? Yeah, the yeah, kinf. and it's the
2: F uh, like the V in uh, phonetic spelling.
1: Mm-hmm. In, in the
2: original, you actually have the phonetic spelling. Yeah, there. it was in my version. Oh.
1: It it's actually says it's T-H-I for the the man who would be kin. Yeah. Um, so the thing uh, is,
2: your version is a lot better than my version. In yeah, but way. you can
1: understand, like, we're looking from the PDF to your version uh, yeah. is, is different. Yeah, so again, I think we're all reading pretty much the same kind of thing, but maybe a different... Uh, Transcription or uh, yeah. what is it? Um, character word recognition software, which has it brought it in, and they've it's kind of formatted it in a different way. So uh, yeah, should we get into it then? Because yeah. if we could go through it, because I've got quite a few notes to go through yeah, as you let's, go. Let's talk about it. So one of my first things is that I really enjoy the way that um, that H.G. Uh, Wells. I mean, this is such a uh, an old-fashioned way of writing, or maybe an H.G. Wells kind of way of writing, where he his main character, you don't really know who they are as a as a um as a human. like there's very little backstory for him. he's we see him before he falls asleep, Graham before he falls asleep only through the eyes of other people. and then when he wakes up, his backstory doesn't really matter. It's just he is a man from this time. What was he married? It doesn't matter. Did he have a family? Doesn't matter. What kind of person was he back then? It doesn't matter. He even says, "I can't really remember what I was like back then. I just don't know anything now." And I was thinking, how much has that to do with it being a serial novel? Like you've just got—if you just come into a serial novel, like how much of a character can you remember has been before? Like how much of the character do you remember, or is it just someone is in this situation? Let's continue on with the story. Um, yeah, Wells even says that he's supposed
0: to be the average man in the in the preface. Yeah, he's he's he is. Uh, he is the reader plant, transplanted into the future, yeah. right? Into so the
2: year
1: twenty one hundred.
2: In, in War of the Worlds, where it's the the, the journalist, we don't know a lot about the journalist. Nope, we as don't well. know his
1: name. We know no. he has a brother, but we never even find out his brother's name because he's just referred to yeah. as my brother did this, generic, my brother did that. So everybody
2: yeah. can uh, put themselves into these people.
1: Yeah. Um, but I really like, but what I'm saying, is, what I do like about it is the characters that he meets or the characters who meet him. You know, there's the, isn't there the artist um, who, you know, he comes across and he's like, oh, I, I want to commit suicide. He's like, hmm, uh, you know, suicide, as an artist, you're going to throw yourself off a cliff. Sounds a bit, uh, <laughs> you know, that's a, uh, like a very melodramatic and quite stereotypical way to die as an artist is to throw yourself off a cliff. There's some fun comments like that. And of course there's
0: the that comes back later in in the future as well right yeah. suicide suicide is i i mean it's kind of interesting to to read it as you know how much of the book is of the later books is reflected in the early book yeah there's not that much although there seems to be the you know the there's a couple early characters um and they have very strange names is Bister is one of them and war. Yeah. Well, yeah, warming and his bister.
1: They're very, uh, they English names. Yeah, Ostr- I've, I've not heard of Ostr- them. Ostrog isn't a name, but that's a future name. Ah, well, Ostrog, Ostr- I have my ideas on that one.
2: But then there's a normal name like Lincoln as well.
1: Lincoln, yeah,
2: oh, but
0: that's... Yeah. A Lincoln. Lincoln. <laughs> I think that's actually, I think that's something of a comment going on
1: there. Lincoln yeah. is supposed to be Ostrog's brother, right? Yeah. Or
2: brother-in-law or something. No, I think, uh, I think. I think all yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh no, there was someone else. There was that. There, there was the the old man that they found is sort of like, oh yeah, and then my daughter is something to do with Lincoln or you know there was a connection there which I wasn't yeah, quite sure. She was she was, she was, she
0: was uh, one of the one of the month wives or something. One of the yeah. oh mistresses of yeah. of Lincoln.
1: Yeah. Or There was some connection there. So, so he he's feeling really bad, and I, I love some of this writing at the beginning where he goes that uh, oh, you want to uh, you you can't sleep at all because he's got he's got insomnia and he's never going to fall asleep and he's been up for weeks and weeks by oh, this six days oh so is this six days uh, I can't remember oh yeah is it only six days but yeah. he says oh, i I'm, I'm you know I want to commit suicide I can't sleep and I thought well I need to you know if I if I exercise my body and he says body fag is no cure for brain fag
0: <laughs> which
1: mm-hmm. is uh, there's quite a few uses of the word fag. Which is about being fagged out, like being tired yeah. out, fatigued. Very fatigued, yes. Um, do you know that expression? You I know be, the
2: word. Yeah,
1: to be fagged. To I be
2: don't fatigued, know that expression, but I know the word. You know, fatigued. fatigue. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. To be fagged is, is I guess, fatigued in a way which I quite like. So you got so a note the, the, for the writing.
2: B- the writing is um, at some point. I really enjoy the writing. I mean, the writing is just awesome, and he, the words he's using. For example, I this one one thing later on where he says while he was breaking his fast. So yeah. meaning <laughs> while he had breakfast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and
2: this is just this is just so nice to read like words and sentences building and all this stuff in this old English. In mm-hmm. other bits. Like when he's describing the city, when he's going through the city, when he has in the war or when he's flying and stuff. This is so difficult for me to build up the world because
1: what the language gets in the way of the, the language
2: world. then gets in the way of me just seeing ah oh, and there was a green meadow and there was whatever because he's describing it so like um I don't know
0: huge it, it, so, it's um, it's not it's not straightforward I is, I don't no, it, it's not it's not he's not sort of he's not circumlocuting it all right he's not talking around it as much as he's he's uh, languorous in his, his Descriptions. I mean, he seems to lie in that in that uh, crystal box for. I mean, I know he's he's lying in it for two hundred years, but he he seems to lie in it for a couple of chapters as well.
1: It takes a long. I thought that was okay because you kind of got to say, "Look, time is passing. You can't just go." And then he fell asleep, and then he woke up. I mean, I guess you could do it. A lot of uh, it
0: is him just being passive, and I think that's why at the end. Um, when he's not so passive, uh, it actually much, is much more satisfying. He's a very passive character. For, through, I mean, I guess he's tired at the beginning, right? That's part of it. But yeah. later, when he wakes up, he, he's just bewildered by everything. And I guess that's supposed to be our point of view as well, but it, I found it it took a right. lot of time for him to actually you know, sit, put his foot down. He's the owner of the world basically right yeah
1: but this is the thing like uh, with this with these uh, science fiction stories that hg wells writes a lot of and you know same with jules verne like a lot of these things that they're doing isn't really established in science fiction i mean science fiction isn't even established genre yet so you that whole idea of someone falling asleep and then waking up and you know compound interest getting them and other people kind of willing themselves like they will their property property to him so then Mm -hmm. You know, it goes into this trustee fund or something like that. It's, it's a bit peculiar. But this whole idea of someone falling asleep and then waking up two centuries later and being in the future, like that's something that you kind of got to explain to people if it's yeah, a new it's idea. The first time it's really happened, right? Yeah, so it's, I it's ref- like with space elevators we were talking about. Space elevators the other day. It used to be it used to be when space elevators back in like the nineteen I guess seventies when it was still a new idea, which wasn't in even popular culture. You'd have to say, okay, this is a space elevator. Go here now in science fiction. You can just go, oh, let's just go up the space elevator, and it's it's two lines or you know half a paragraph saying, oh yeah, the space elevator is located in Brazil, and let's go from Brazil up to geostationary orbit, and then we're there, you know, and. Yeah. Um, and it and it feels like on some of these books, you know, you've got to explain it. It's like invis- in the Invisible Man and in the War of the Worlds, it's all like, oh yeah. And then the Martians invade, and how did we get them? Well, we looked through a telescope and we saw them coming. And you know, once someone's done that, you can just go, nope, Martians—they're yeah, invading. Right. Futurama
0: yeah. can put in half an hour. Right? The the entire uh, premise of the of the of the novel happens within the first ten minutes of the show. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's because they, they know what they're doing. They've, they've seen it done before, and they're actually yep. doing an homage to this. Yeah, um, and, It's and, not the and, only one. A red dwarf has the same thing, right? Yeah. Uh, the guy is in there for three million years. He wakes up in the future, and um, uh, the computer makes a joke uh, right at the beginning saying uh, saying that he owns all of the Earth except for the electric company, which owns 1% <laughs> because yeah. he left a light on.
1: <laughs> but the thing is, yeah, you know, but like, but the thing is, he's not on the Earth; he's on the spaceship, right. so it, it has and no it, bearing on himself.
0: It's just a joke. He has no idea what, what's going on on Earth. Yeah. Um, but uh, the 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 story actually, I was thinking about it, it. It's it's not just there; it's everywhere. This this story that seems sort of forgotten is actually throughout. The science fiction, um, Buck Rogers. That's the same premise of yep. Buck Rogers, right? But I'm Which i is-, is
1: this the first example? I mean, I didn't look up how <laughs> many of them when the sleeper awaits kind of things, but uh, there's been time travel and things, but t- this is different than time travel. This is, is. you've got to sleep, and then your body is hidden, you know, it's it's in idiocracy, it's in um, yeah. you, the what, what's this book that you want me to talk about, uh, Juliana? The one billion dollars, or is it? Yeah, in, in English it's <laughs> called
2: the trillion dollar. Oh,
1: trillion dollars, yeah.
2: A, uh, one trillion dollar dollars, or something. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, it's about somebody who has put in his all his wealth uh, and put it into a um into well, like under the the control of people saying, keep my money moving, keep it keep it getting more and more and more, and then in the future the the second child of the second... Uh,
1: yeah, it says here, it says the plot revolves around a young pizza driver from New York City who inherits a trillion US dollars from one of his ancestors who lived in the 16th century Florence. So, exactly, yeah.
2: so... That he, the, the guy who did, who got, got this up said, uh, "You will give this to the son of the second son of the son." Or something. Yeah, yeah. And that by by accident turns out to be him. Yeah. Not quite by accident, but that it is a so similar story that he has some uh, consultant, and this consultant uh, seems to be a really good person to 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 deal with money because he's lots of uh, he has lots of experience and stuff. And the whole like the, the beginning is not like it, but the whole how it's evolving and then how he he takes the money and just spends money and, and yeah. enjoys it and goes out and stuff, and then suddenly he realized, oh no shit, I have the money, I have the power, and with money comes power. Um, uh, this is this similar similar thing, and he took pretty much the story of uh the sleep wakes uh, with the money and uh, power and uh, all yeah these, these themes there.
1: And the same, like I say, with the unincorporated man, it's a very similar thing. But in that, I was actually expecting it to be more similar, where the person who he left in charge, I wanted that person to, who he left in charge to, uh, like butler the, or something, right? Yeah, the butler that he left in charge. I want him. I wanted him to have also gone into sleep and still be there, you know, to have, yeah. like when he gets up, yeah. when he wakes up the next time, he it's actually his butler who had access to his wealth, which he was controlling the world. I thought that would have been a really fun thing, but it didn't go in that direction. Um, it went in a less for me, slightly less interesting direction. More trials, so, more trials, less uh, less uh, twists. What in the in the? In the other oh, yeah, it was yeah. Just, there's
0: too many the trials. Answer? We talked we talked about that in another podcast. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So this is establishing this trope. Um. But there's also the you know there's similar ones like. Um, uh, in reverse, there was Mark Twain's uh, where he gets uh, yeah, hit but on that the head, is, but, but
1: that's and travels the backwards
0: that's, in time, but there's no thinking, con- thinking. there's but no the, consequence um, in economic sense except he's taking the knowledge of yeah. notice yeah. the difference he's taking the knowledge back in a time when the knowledge was power, whereas in this case we're taking money which is power and going into yeah. the future.
1: In the future, money is more powerful, and knowledge is no less powerful. Yeah. he has um, no skill. He can't even speak the language, right? He
0: has no. though. No- <laughs> What's
1: that? Would
2: you, would you two guys say that uh, compared to uh, the time when uh, H. G. Wells wrote the book, to our time now, money is more important than it was in his time?
1: Um, I, I don't think know. It's, it's always simpler, th- actually. I think it's similar. What the money now is simpler. No, similar.
0: It's a similar oh. situation where, uh, I mean, they called that period, you know, the Gilded Age, where, you know, there was robber barons, people making tons of money by owning, you know, new corporations that are developing up and, you know, just reaping in the in the cash. This is the, you know, the Victorian era, there was a lot of people who just lived on their investments, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, but Um, I think
2: what happened is just not that it's now simpler. I think it just went on this path and it just got uh, more excessive. Yeah. Well,
1: it's weird you say this because it's difficult to say how rich people are now compared to then because there's been a lot more wealth creation. You know, the more people in the world, the more money there is, you know, the more work that can be done. Yeah. Um, And also, if you think we've had like another hundred years worth of exploiting the Earth's resources and time and all that kind of stuff to create more wealth and um, the way that you can really judge it is by the disparity in the wealth like how how rich is the richest person That's or how why rich- we're in a similar situation right yes like like the, the the difference between the richest people and to the poorest people their living time. in the time yeah. and so you go oh wow now there's a really big wealth disparity when was the last time there was this much wealth disparity it was just before the Great Depression, you know, with all these, like, again, it's like this: in, the Industrial Revolution is still going and it hasn't hit that crash yet, um, where kind of every, a lot of stuff is reset. Um, so, I, again, I'm, I'm not really sure how to compare it one to the other, but um, I, I think... One like of the things I think... H.G. Uh, Wells has taken it to what he sees as the extreme: is that some people literally don't do anything, like you were saying before. He didn't know what rich people were like, but they were these people who didn't do anything except control. And then there was two thirds of the population who didn't do anything; they they literally had no money. They they were workhouse people. What does he call them? The works, works labor, work slave labor company. Yeah, the labor company. Um, and the, the labor, labor company. folks. Yeah, the labor company controlled everything, so the wealth disparity that he's talking about is greater than it is now, um, but it is uh, kind of comparable uh, to to lots of other science fiction books. uh, Well, uh, One of of the things that I think is interestingly different
0: about this, this is a dystopia, right? This future is a dystopia, but it it doesn't feel as dystopic as as, uh, a lot of dystopias we've seen. It's not anything close to 1984. It's more it's more along the lines of um, uh, Brave New World than it is 1984 in, 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 in the scien- kind of dystopia it is, although you notice a lot of people are sort of dissatisfied with their jobs, hence the revolution that happens. But yeah, w- one of the things that is different about the society he's showing, as opposed to the society he's living in, uh, Wells is living in, is that uh, although in the workhouse you do get you do get fed, right? You actually have to work goddamn hard, and it's, t- it's backbreaking labor. It's it, it's not strictly shown in the novel what the people do, but it's hinted at that basically all they do is supervise machines.
1: Yeah, that is
0: which true. Is, like, they, which they is actually quite interesting, right? There, there's no backbreaking labor, it's just crappy, boring work.
1: But you can kind of see that if this fits into the same world as the the, of course it fits into the same world as the War of the Worlds because they actually say, oh, in the last 20 years since he's been asleep, you know, we've done this and we've done that and there's been these Martians. <laughs> it's just yeah, a throwaway yeah, line. Yeah, it
2: really good fun.
1: But you also think that like this is London and it's taught, you know, they're kind of showing London into the future with this. The differences between the workers and the um and the technicians and things. So you're thinking, oh, is this going to be like the time machine with the uh, what is it the Mollocks, no the no what am just and the Eloy yeah Eloy that was the word I'm thinking yeah the Molox and the Eloy we is that what we're looking at you know is this the start of the Mollocks and the Eloy with this stratification it looks like it doesn't it yeah
2: but i actually think it there is some 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 uh, some stuff that's uh, similar to 1984 like i read this uh, he, he he's describing these these people in the labor company and he's um um they so their work and, um, at one point he says, is motherhood gone? And then, mm-hmm. um, and Asano, I think that's the guy who, who tr- guides him around. He says, uh, no, the, uh, like the upper class people, they, they have one child each. That's okay. But the, the people in the, in the labor, uh, company, they have like ch- children. That's their, they like having children and stuff. And so, and uh, at some points, I think the, uh, the proles and the labor company that HG Wells is building up here can be compared in how they like, um, how they, how they live, like the style they're living. It's always like a similar kind of, uh, yeah, the well, working that, people. That, well, the have thing, lots that, of different. the
0: funny thing about 1984 is actually the proles are better off than than the the outer party, right?
2: Yeah. But this yeah. plot is missing
0: here, yeah, <laughs> they have they have their alcohol, they have their gambling, right, and I think that that's yeah. very important in this book is one I mean he's very ambig- ambivalent as to I feel like he doesn't really love those workers <laughs> yeah, the the author doesn't he is contemptuous, <laughs> but he's also but the character yeah is very unusual because remember something that we never visit but is talked about a lot and is in the minds of many people. Is the pleasure
1: cities?
2: Yeah, right. He never really goes there. No, he he <laughs> says that
1: I do not want to go there because he, he kind of knows that if he goes there, he will just go like, oh, well, that, that's me set for the rest of my life. Now I'll just hang out. He, he knows he's probably too weak to uh, go against that. I'm not sure. Well, no, yeah, think about think about what he's he you know, the the the
0: guy who's manipulating him for the council. He's he's trying to get him girls. He's tr- trying to get him. Interested in something other than politics, yeah, right. And yeah, all all he's interested in is flying. <laughs> he's not interested in girls. He, he eventually finds one he likes, but that's that you know, just women is not what he's looking for. He he's he loves the idea of being in the future, and and he especially is is fascinated by flying. Mm-hmm. Um, and in in that, I think there is a commentary somewhere in this book about. Uh, I'm sorry, not. Somewhere literally in it, but I think it's something about the value of work, not just being, you know, getting paid, but actually loving what you're doing. Yeah. Because those, those workers, uh, you know, the, who, who are working for the labor company, they're trapped in a cycle, but it seems to be a trap of their class, uh, rather than of their individual temperament. It's, a group temperament. What puts you in that group, it seems to me that Wells is saying is that you are unwilling to better yourself, which is kind of like he's, he's very ambivalent, I think towards, towards the, uh, the proles. Yeah. You, you guys sensing that at all from this book?
1: Well, I'm not sure if that, uh, I'm not sure if that's HG Wells or the character. I mean, like you say, the ambivalence is in the book, but, um, uh, like, I, I'm not quite sure how much he's saying that's like nature or nurture or based in the society. If we change the rules, people will change. You know, like you say, it, it is it is ambivalent. And it is ambiguous. So I don't want to say exactly what's there. You know.
2: Well, I what I also um, found was this. He says um, there are no more uh, examinations. Is that the word examination um, in school? Like so they yeah. put the, the, the kids from the uh, labor company in like some kind of nurseries. Yeah. And uh so they get some education but they keep the education so low that they just don't they not just don't get educated. Well I
1: think it's more like the ones who really want to be educated can it's like you can do any class you want and the ones who want to learn more can advance and the ones but most people don't bother they just so do anything. So you say
2: that even if they are born into the labor company they can escape that if they want to. Um
1: it's yeah, it's <laughs> clear. It, yeah, it? that's it, what I'm saying. I, I, don't understand. I don't know. But it yeah. seems like it's like, oh, anyone can do any classes and you're not judged on what you can and can't do. You're judged on what you want to do um, or what what classes you want to take. Um, let me. I just want to say a bit more about the um, uh, two things. One is the utopia you were saying. It, is it the same kind of utopia? Think, I, the thing is, my thinking on utopias, or oh, sorry, no, dystopias. Let me say dystopia. My th- plans on dystopias is that there's different kinds of dystopia. Um, well, I, 1984 is a technological dystopia. It relies on technology. You know, television had just been invented um, just a few years before 1984 was written and so the idea of two-way radio communication on the screens in the houses is the thing that makes it. You know, Big Brother is watching you. At that time, the technology to be able to watch people from afar with you know broadcast television and you know sending um, sending good quality stuff down cables and that was the new technology at the time, and that's what people that's what people were using or that's what um Orwell was using as his dystopia thing you know um h G. Wells was using money and class and all of that kind of stuff as the root and the controlling factor of his dystopia and other authors have used um other things you know like the soma. In, um, in, what's the name of the book? Brave New World. You know, that was more of a like a medical, it's like a medical, um, uh, dystopia that people are born, they're controlled, you know, with drugs and breeding and upbringing and things like that. It's more of a medical thing, and then you get the like the genetic dystopias and, and other kind of dystopias. But like uh, that's that's the thing. It's difficult to compare them because they're using different technologies to suppress people.
2: But I mainly I mainly make differences between dystopias and saying there's a dystopia where people know they live in a dystopia and where people don't see that they live in a dystopia, like in <laughs> In the uh, 1984 and uh, Brave New World, people think they're happy.
1: Well, in Brave New World, and they do. I'm, and 1984, I don't think so.
2: <laughs> oh well, well they. I don't know when if they don't. No,
0: I think I think I agree with Luke. I mean, in Brave New World, people are. It's more like it's more like you know uh, North Korea, right? It's it's all well and good to be uh, in North Korea as long as you believe that Kim Jong Un is a god because then when you pray to him he's a real guy you can see him it's it's a fulfillment of your dreams um, and if you don't know that the rest of the world hasn't much better than you economically yeah. uh, that you can you know have your full belly every night and such then it might be a utopia but i think for a lot of people there you know the only reason they're going to the the worshiping of him is because they are they are fearful of the consequences which is you know That's a legitimate fear. So I mean, that's clearly a dystopia, unless you happen to be one of these naive people who don't know about what's going on outside. The
1: the thing is, with this book and in in Brave New World, the people have grown up in it and they don't know anything else. In 1984, people can still remember the time before Big Brother. They still remember the time when there was different countries. They remember time before helicopters. Yeah, but most
2: of the people, like like what what was the name? Julia? No, what was the name? Julia? Julia, Julia. Julia she's totally fine with her society she has no she, there's for her this is
1: nah she's ridiculous. rebelling against it no no yeah she's totally rebelling against it
0: right that's yeah, she that's says true. i'm i'm in the young virgins league or whatever it's called yep Anti-sex sex, sex league. but she's also she wants she loves having sex with as many party officials as she can just to rebel right
2: and yeah, that's well, like
0: that i mean that that is not somebody who's is in harmony with her society.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but still I think there's a difference between dystopias where people really feel they are like in yeah. in, in traps and the I think
0: I tra- think it's a utopia for somebody. It's just nobody we see in the book. Right? Yeah. Um in nineteen
2: eighty four.
0: In in, in, in Brave New World I think it's much more ambiguous as to whether it's a utopia or a dystopia. Most people seem to think it's a dystopia, but uh, if you are happy, you know pushing that broom around because you're genetically, <clears throat> I don't know, dumbfied, so that that may uh, seems really interesting to you. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy that. That's possible necessarily, but yeah. I think that, um, I think that, you know, in the, if if the book is saying it's true, um, and it's true in the book, then maybe it's not a dystopia for that guy.
1: Well, that's the thing. In uh, in Flowers for Algernon, Charlie is very happy. Working in the bakery and having a menial right. job and sweeping up because because he, he he's incapable of knowing better. So for him, he's actually happier to be yeah. a menial worker than he was actually as an intelligent person. The other thing that I wanted to bring up about this is that another technology that you can use for suppression and for dystopia purposes is the religious um, dystopia. Everyone has to follow this, and it's all you know, bomb, bomb, bomb. Yeah. What I really loved about this book is that that is not even remotely part of it. It says. Be a Christian without hindrance to your present occupen- occupation. You know all these signs that are flashing oh, right. around. I really enjoyed him going through and seeing the different churches and they're like, mm. yeah, well, churches have to compete against the pleasure citizen. and they all have these to other stuff. For yeah. themselves. and I really love the advertising. He he, it's like he already saw what was going to happen in um, in churches and in the yeah. culture in America mega where church. they are, do have these big mega churches who advertise and have the prosperity gospels and come in and do this and do that. So. Uh, and pay the, the
0: thing is that they that had
1: that back then
0: too, right? You know the the re, the church revivals where they would have this signs that just get people in off the street, get them in, get their bums yeah. in the seats, yeah. and you know, pass the donation hat. I mean that 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 was around back then. So
1: like, I guess I'm just I, saying you know, it, it's, it's very modern with the flashing signs. It it's feels very modern, right? <laughs> he's taking like he's modern- magnifying. Things yeah, it was advertising slogans that he's doing there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah any other notes, Juliana? You got a whole page of stuff there. Yeah, lots of
2: words. I I was really really impressed by the descriptions of the um, of the inventions of the future that H.G. Wells came up with, especially with the the babble machine
0: machines and mm.
2: uh, the cylindrical shows. Um, it feels yeah, so
0: you right. yeah, so yeah, essentially, movies and television, right?
2: Yeah, and like, I mean, I wouldn't make maybe say it is it's comparable to DVD, but it's definitely comparable to VHS. <laughs> yeah, way it's it,
1: something, something like it that. Yeah.
2: And this is impressive. I don't know. Um, I, the thing I is, think I'm it's also.
0: I think it's also really interesting that he 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 takes that technology and says, "What will it do to the culture?" Right? It's yeah. not just. Yeah. You know, the technology exists, isn't that interesting? No, it's like this technology's been around for a long time. People don't read, right?
1: Yeah. The it's only like,
0: thing well, they'll well, read well, is well, the well, label well, on the box.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, right. And but the thing is I, I'm not so sure uh, what at the time when H. T. Wells lived, what was actually what they actually had, like um especially like with the with the planes. Did they have planes?
1: Not yes. when this was originally written. The original writing, right, eighteen
0: ninety nine. Airplanes had not yet been invented.
2: Yeah. Really? So he like he's inventing uh, airplanes and TV. <laughs> kind of.
0: Although the, if it's you think so of the great. description of the airplane, it doesn't sound very like a good design, you know. No, it it, it, <laughs> it is like, an airplane, but he's steering with like, the with the engine. He's steering yeah. with the engine. Um, well, it well, sounds also so two hundred well, years in the future. They're pretty crappy airplanes.
1: Yeah, the thing that I like is that obviously back then they didn't have what's called heavier-than-air aircraft, which um, Mm. they only had lighter-than-air aircraft, which is like the ones which have neutral buoyancy. So with those ones, they they fly by, and there is like a gondola that's hanging down underneath it, and they do steer by like pointing the engines in different directions. So it's funny that he didn't quite, it's like he doesn't quite understand what an aeroplane
2: is and what the next step might be, but um, he invented... It's it's pretty
0: impressive. And, yeah, and, 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 yeah think, he, he also invented the technique of smashing airplanes into other airplanes. Which which, which now, now in every... Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah
1: you but, think you know,
0: in, it was actually used. Like, for example, in, the Russians in World War II didn't have very many bullets issued to them. So they're flying their yak, right? And what they would do is... Uh, this actually happened in World War I as well. They would uh, chase the enemy aircraft and just chop off their controls uh within with the propeller like um and this was incredibly dangerous of course for the pilot but um because you know the russians have a lot more people than they do bullets um it was a strategy
1: that they used quite a lot and and that's actually right in the book right i like this this line here this was the airplane that went to and fro between london and paris in fair, fair weather and in peaceful times, that came and went, went four times a day. And that, obviously, in Wells, he's thinking, wow, just imagine an airplane that could travel between the two systems and, and <laughs> every, there'd be enough people to fill it so it could go four times. You know, one like, airplane, too. This is <laughs> the <a> airplane. <laughs> yeah. I really like that idea.
2: And, but the, the word airplane was was there before. Like, before it's there not was.
1: I, I'm not sure. That's, I'm you, not you, sure.
2: I mean, would could we even say that uh, this this word comes from HGL?
1: No,
0: it, it's. I it's very... hard to. I, I don't know, but what, what about the word aeropile? I've never understood why 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 is it called that.
2: Maybe it's smaller and lighter, or something. That was always it, my impression. It, it, is, it seems
1: we... to use them interchangeably, though. Yeah, and also he says he calls it a flying machine a few times. Uh, a few times. Let me. I've just done a. Um, a yeah, a search for aeroplane British type, like aeroplane. So it's French Aero and Greek Planos put together to be aeroplane and uh late nineteenth century. So late nineteenth century oh and the and the over time the Google references it's yeah, it's sort of like nineteen hundreds, suddenly it goes swoop oh, spike yeah. so, yeah. well, But I don't, know, cool. I don't know
0: very shortly after this story he wrote uh, a novel oh, sorry, oh, after this novel he wrote a short story called My First Aeroplane uh, yeah. which is illustrated in color and uh, uh, it's a, co- a comedic story <laughs> but it's actually after the invention of air- aircraft so it looks a little bit more like a real aircraft
1: yeah maybe if I type into Google first usage of aeroplane oh no, that'll say what it was used yeah. for of word, aeroplane. So, yeah, it's difficult, because if it is a mix of... I would of say friends. it's not,
0: because technology doesn't have it listed as being uh, the very what? first instance of the word aeroplane. I, I would guess that it's... I mean, the Wright brothers knew what they were trying to do, right? The, the yeah. idea of... It's like a rocket ship. We had rocket ships as ideas long before we had actual ships that were rockets,
1: right? Mm. Yeah.
2: So uh it's only talking about when the actual plane came came across yeah. and stuff.
1: 1906
0: but, um, or 1903? I think it's the uh, Wright brothers.
2: 1903.
0: Yeah, but a lot of people were working on it. It was just that yeah. they were the guys who actually lifted off first, right? Mm. Um but and and the idea of planes um as in the the wings of aircraft um those are on pre you know, heavier than air aircraft as well. So yeah. it's not like he invented everything. He's just saying, look, here's a world in which airplanes are working. Noble. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're part of. And, and notice also the interesting thing is, is that the culture says that the pilots are, are they're almost like priests or union unionized, yeah. right? They're, they're, they have secrets. That they don't share with everybody, which I think is hilarious. And,
2: and not everybody can become a pilot. Have to
1: swear like, to it. What?
2: Really cool.
1: And I like how he's just like, "No, I'm the, I'm the rule of the world. Just tell me." And they're like, "No, you can't." it's oh, yeah. not allowed. He says, "You are allowed. I'm telling you, you're allowed. No, but you have got to take this oath. I'll take the oath. But you're not allowed. I, I am allowed. I have to talk to my boss. I am your boss." Uh, <laughs> that, yeah. that
2: yeah. But do you Will think? You they are- me? Yeah, I'll
1: protect you. Do you think
2: these these planes or piles? They are open.
0: I think like, that's. I think that they must be. Uh, there's one picture in the graphic of the aero pile. Um, yeah. I got, sent you guys that uh, PDF of all the yeah. pictures. I'll put that in the show notes. But basically, it's. It looks more like a. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it looks like exactly. It doesn't look like an airplane. It has wings, but the wings don't. I don't I don't I don't understand how that thing could fly.
1: <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it looks like just, a boat. Yeah, well it's got these butterfly wing kind of things, yeah. you know. It's uh it's uh, an interesting. Look the here, like dragonfly wings more, like you know. Yeah. It's, it's little, I mean the engine he describes <laughs> is Sorry. an internal combustion engine,
0: yeah. but it 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 the way it's flapping doesn't you know, it's spinning, it doesn't sound like it would be very good to fly in. Not Yeah but he wasn't an engineer he w- he was a scientist not an engineer so you he- give him a little slack
2: um in the in the in the graphics uh the pictures um it's always so funny that, to see like what people are wearing like the women uh-huh. in that one picture they're just wearing like dresses that were in the uh, HG Wells times normal like yeah, true. When-
0: and the men are wearing dresses from like the 16th yeah, they're century they just wearing clothes
2: something. thingies um, but yeah. if you have like something that is in the future now? When you, when anybody writing something about the future uh, in our times, like people always wearing like very generic um, just costumes, uh, tight and whatever. But yep. in the H. G. Wells, like it's also with the Martian in the in the in the pictures of the Martians, they're always wearing these like. Victorian age dresses. Well, the Martians
1: and, are in the Victorian age. Yeah, of yeah. course,
2: but but this is not. And people still wearing like women are wearing these really. Yeah. Well, it does
1: talk about it does talk about the different fashions in the future. But the pictures, the illustrations here didn't. Oh yeah, look, here's one of the with the church. You know, you see these yeah. uh, uh, the yeah, big adverts. One of the things that is is not a is specifically a technology,
0: as it is a image that, that's really throughout the book is is the covered city right at one point he goes up in a little gondola little thing there's actually a lot of this hanging in the air happening yeah. hanging over the city he's climbing through the uh, the superstructure the dome whatever whatever this you know the city is completely covered over the river the Thames is completely drained all the water is going to feed everybody in the city or water everybody in the city um, sea seawater's is used in the sewers because there's there's not enough water. It's it's like a megapolis, right? It, and this m- may be the first megapolis as well. Uh, I mean, this is a trend that obviously we we've seen coming for thousands of years. Uh, cities getting yeah. bigger and cities bigger.
1: Will be, will yeah, but again, it comes down to the technology that's involved. I made a note that like in science fiction. The, the cities look like the new building material of the day, so this is all like, yes, and there was buildings made out of steel, and it was steel, yeah. and steel here, and everything's built out of steel. And then in the, a lot like the Eiffel Tower, actually. Yeah, you know, it's the, all Eiffel the, Tower. The open, like, yeah. Open, um, uh, yeah. And then it's all concrete. Science fiction futures are then turned into concrete and everything's made of concrete and then uh, it's all plastic. You know, you see stuff from the 1950s and everything looks plasticky, plasticky, like the walls are plastic and everything. And then it's glass because then glass became a building material like in the, what, like 80s, 90s, suddenly glass, it was, you could make glass and with computer design you could come make curved things so then the whole future, future became, is now carbon fiber right everything yeah gonna and, be. yeah that's the thing fiber. our future now is is but also the future is going to become biotech you know that's what we're going to have in the you know in the future we're going to be like oh and i will grow stuff i mean you get some of that anyway but it's that was always part of it was
2: now i'm growing see- my
0: house it's going to be done in six seven months i'm yeah. really excited to be moving in soon
2: Oh funny enough this is in um I'm currently also listening to Pandora Star and there on one of the one of the um, one of the planets, yeah um they are describing that they they moved to that planet and now he works there and, and um uh his 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 wife is dealing with the um with the building of a new house and the house uh, is constructed by these um corals that are growing and once yeah. they like they're growing into a shape and then they take away the 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 stuff that holds them and then it's waterproof and it's uh, yeah. warm and whatever so but it's a growing material that you just have to bring in shape
1: yeah um
2: to then just happen to be a, a house and also in our time today now what's coming up is this um the digital like the printing yeah the, the, the additive 3D printing. manufacturing yeah so, uh, it's,
0: it's, yeah. It's so cool. I, uh, there's a website I go to uh, called Ikea Hacks. What they do, people buy stuff at Ikea, and then they take it home, and they do stuff. And most of it's really crappy. But every once in a while, somebody will say, oh, here's the here's the plans for this piece that attaches to this Ikea product, and you can replicate it. And I was like, oh, yeah. there it is. There's the PDF. I'm going to print that up and print it up on my home awesome. computer printer. That is the future. It's totally coming. Yeah.
1: Right, so, rush so so, It's amazing. So what we see here is what they thought the future would be like in Victorian times, based on the new technology or the building technologies that are there. Our future is going to be yeah, biotech and print-on-demand houses. Yeah, you know, and think, that's, the, that's the other thing that this is about is economics, right? Um,
0: mm-hmm. The economics that are in this book are it's all factories and automation. And look at those roads, right? There. Uh, uh, Robert Heinlein wrote a novel or uh, short story called "The Roads Must Roll," which is basically just taking a, a snippet of this book and saying, "Okay, let's look at how the, that would affect uh, the society and you know the union of guys who keep that road going. It you know goes on strike. What does that do to the economy? That's what that story is about. Which is, it could have been set in this world, right? Because those roads, they they have like hot dog booths and." chairs <laughs> they're rushing back and forth through the city you know you want to go anywhere you don't get in your flying car you get on the
1: conveyor belt
2: that but that's like in them in the city in the stars isn't it
1: yeah. yeah where they
2: have the these roads where they hop onto and
1: yeah mm-hmm. jump off of them yeah slide uh, walk
2: what, what was the, of, like what's the
1: name what's it. the
2: name of the material
1: that they build the roads out of e- edomite
0: Edomite, yeah
1: yeah, but that's so actually the saying- that roads outside the city.
0: That's not the roads, uh, the moving roads. I oh. don't think.
1: I Could be wrong about that. But- yeah, but that's what I'm thing again. When a new techno a new malleable technology, once they worked out how to change the shape of steel, that became the you know once they could work steel, that became the future cities. And once they could work concrete and make concrete that became the future. And once you can work biotech and do all these other stuff in glass, once you actually get the technology to make it into a building material, that's what it is. And the, ed- the Adamite, which is invented by somebody who, that's where actually all of his wealth comes from because it's invented by warring, warming or it is best, or something like that. So sister uh, yeah. One of those two guys. The, uh, before, I, I want to let this
0: idea sit in your guys' head for a second because I think it when I thought of it, I was I was always bothered by the guy's name. Uh, what's the guy's name? Osgoth, Ostrog, Ostrog. Ostrog. Okay, so I was thinking it's got to be like an uh, you know one of those acronyms or not acronyms. Like you just change the letters around and it'll be something else because that's not a normal name, right? Um, so I typed it in and I couldn't find anything. Uh, I put it in you know one of those Scrabble you know make a word out of this uh, website. Yeah. That didn't work. But I noticed when I was typing in, it came off Ostrogoth. Remember Ostrogoths? Those are the...
1: Only those from are the, Asterix the, comics. There was the Visigoths.
0: Well, o- right. The Astro- Ostrogoths were the basically the last of the uh, Goths, the invaders right. of Rome. And uh, if you look at the, the history of them on Wikipedia, it's got, you know, here's this king and there's this king. They're coming out of Germany, right? They're coming down into... Into yeah. the Roman Empire, and they're taking it over. And the first king of who's you know not in Germany uh, is he becomes like very high up in the Roman Empire, and he's taking it over. And that's the end of the Roman Empire, which is kind okay. of interesting
1: because well, so what is
0: that is that got something to do with Lincoln then? I think, I think it has to do with the story, right? Because we've got this guy. Uh, Osga, how do you say his name? Ostrog. Ostrog, right? Ostrog. Uh, Ostrog is he's trying to foment a revolution in this society, but he's he's actually just trying to do it for himself rather than you know to free all the slaves that all the blue the blue dressed folks and stuff, all the people who are you know the ninety nine percent or whatever it's called in the society. Um, he's he's trying to change things and shake things up, but only so that he can be in charge rather than the council. He doesn't like the council. So he, you know, gets all these people riled up. And then, uh, Juliana, before we even started reading this book, you, you were talking about race and how, yeah. what was, was, uh, HG well racist
2: point, Yeah.
0: So uh, reading it again, since, since we talked, I don't know. It's it, there's a lot of weird race stuff going on in here too. So I wanted to talk about that and and think about how you know the the um, the Senegalese and, uh, and there's another black uh, African kingdom that was brought in to crush Paris and and then later London. What what is what is HG Wells doing there? Wait a second. Can we just finish it with Ostrog?
2: Yeah, let's talk about Ostrog.
0: No, yeah. well, it's tied together. I think it's tied together.
2: So first but, yeah. of all, I, I typed it in, in 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 Google and it come it comes up to be a, a Russian word,
0: mm-hmm. a Russian fortress, and
2: it's a, a word for a Russian fortress. And and living um, growing up in the uh, in the in the GDR or like in East East Germany is kind of block, I mm-hmm. saw a lot of these um, you know these Russian um, fairy tales, uh, like mm-hmm. fairy tales that were like in in made in russia and stuff and um in in many in many of them they go to these kind of little fortresses and they have to be get in there's like a little village surrounding thing so i have seen that before so it is like a a, a fort made out of wood and um a monastery
0: uh, on the serbian orthodox church is that the same one we're looking at it's in no, Mon- no. Mon-
2: you uh, we're looking at ostrog fortress uh,
1: a russian okay. term for yeah oh, okay
2: and this this makes actually a bit of sense, you know. Ostrog is supposed to be a um, a big guy, somebody who who has the uh, has the, the control. Is, is yeah. has a control, and I I actually made a note here. Um, he says in, in in a chapter I don't know which chapter it is, but he said he won't have anything to do. So it's Graham. He won't have anything to do but enjoy himself. Just enjoy himself. Ostrog will will boss the show, of course. Ostrog will have to. Because of keeping all the these labour fools in bounds.
1: In bounds, yes. In
2: bounds. You see, so um, Ostrog is is a, is a big guy who defends, like, who does the job for Graham? Yeah. And I think this is the with, this is where he took the word from. Is the, right. the fortress?
0: yeah. Well, uh, the, I I saw them. Okay, I haven't. I'd like to see a link to that. I've got the monastery, which is yeah. In the monastery Montenegro. is
1: just a name. It's just a proper proper noun. We're talking about something which is. Uh, let me just stick it here for you. We're talking about something uh, which is actually what a word means. You know, right. thing can be called anything, but when you actually get down to what it means, like you say, Ostrogov. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. Um, yeah. But I,
0: I also think yeah. So that's why I dismissed the monastery because it doesn't make a lot of sense. But if if the Russian word for fort is ostrog which it seems to be that yep. is very interesting um oh I don't know that uh, throws my interpretation out but I, I I think it's interesting that his brother is Lincoln
2: yeah right? this isn't what this not make great sense because I, I I kind of felt that the ostrog is some kind of um Eastern like uh, some kind of like Russian word or something and uh, like then like Stalin,
0: have somebody you know? it's
2: not a real Lincoln. name. You know, it, it is not a name for a person, but it is a word. And then yeah, having somebody... Stalin
0: p- picks his name It says, you know, I want to be named Steele, right? It's, yeah. It's like this guy said, my name's really, you know, Lincoln, but I'm going to call myself Ostrog.
2: Yeah, this does not really fit, so... What, would you think like they had one mother and the mother said hey you you like no they were... they,
1: they're picking their own revolutionary names Stalin wasn't called Star- no no I'm thinking Lenin uh, um, so Lenin Lenin wasn't Lenin it was it was like a, a pen name wasn't it Adamir Ilyich Lenin I think was his name yeah um, his name was real so you say Ostrak- no but I'm saying there's some of these guys who do pick a, a revolutionary name rather than Osrog yeah. took yeah. his, yeah, yeah. his, his Dute, name. you know you know Okay. Yeah, Che was a Che Guevara. Che wasn't his real name. It was Ernesto, wasn't it? Ernesto Guevara. So that was his nickname. So let's move on to what you were saying about the the racism. It, this yeah. book is. Well, not- I, I I just
0: think it's interesting because it ties into Lincoln. So it, everybody in the in the United States is taught Lincoln's a great president, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, m- fewer people know that Lincoln was pro-slavery prior to the war. Yeah. Um, during the war, um, he, as a military choice, uh, as uh, he frees the slaves, and obviously that's a great thing, but uh, in this story, Lincoln is a part of the team that brings blacks to England in a negative way for all the characters who think this is a bad thing except for Lincoln and Ostrog, right? The society is against this thing. And I'm yes. not sure it's because they're black as much as because of their being uh, a thug force, right? Designed yeah, I think, to I, think kill
1: it is, I think it isn't a racist thing. And you can even kind of look see H.G. Wells saying, hey, I've got to acknowledge that my character understands that his attitude of saying, I don't want black the black army here. Maybe it's my antiquated views on race. But I don't want them coming in. But it isn't a racist issue. It is more of a like bringing in foreigners who find it OK to shoot the local people. Whereas if you put the local people police force against the local people, it's not going to work. I mean, that's what happens. That's what happened in Berlin. Um there was a, a slaughter. When was it? June seventeenth, 1953, oh. um, mm-hmm. which was 54. 53, 53 or 54, and uh, that was a big thing because uh, up until then, any time that there'd been any protests in East Germany, they had was, the,
2: police there. They'd have the
1: police there, and it was, you know, generally, I mean, it was bad, but it wasn't hundreds of people being gunned down in the streets until they call in the Russians and, with,
2: with the, <laughs> with the, the tanks. tanks and, and
1: they said, okay, the Russians can sort this one out. And it was, it was a bloodbath, and that's what led almost directly to you know, a quarter of the population of East Germany leaving East Germany through West Berlin. You know, it was just a massive exodus. Which is then after, why they
2: built the wall. Which is then
1: why they <laughs> built the uh, built the wall around um, East Berlin, is to stop people getting out to East Berlin. But the reason it happened, all that went down, was because they got the outsiders to come in and police the locals mm-hmm. and... That is what Graham is totally against. He says, I don't want to bring in, you know, I, it happened in India, it happened in, in lots of places in Africa as well, in the British Empire. They'd bring in Indian forces there, or they'd bring right. in, you know, N- Nepalese people down into India to sort out the, you know, the Indian forces. They, have, they don't have any qualms because that's not their family, right? They're not, it's they're the, the in-group and out-group, isn't it, in you. Yeah. U.S. Um, you can you'll fire on the out group and you'll protect the in groups. You can't have in group people policing in group people. And I think that one is the, the main one of the things of that uh, Was uh, mentioned in latest Dan Carlin
0: hardcore history. He's talking about World War One, is how uh, how the Germans in World War One were the basically the only group uh, that wasn't bringing in all their co- colonial uh, soldiers. Right. So you've got people from India. You've got people from Africa. You've got Canadians, obviously, as well. Yeah, the Anzac as well. Right, and you've got all of these colonial coming in and fighting the Germans, and the Germans are the only ones who don't have it. But notice it's it, if if the Germans had their own colony and they're they're attacking, it would be played up as racism. Um, but in World War One, when we talk about it in Canada, you've got you know the Gurkhas fighting next to the Canadians. That's a good thing. See, we're all friends. <laughs> yeah. But actually the, the empire, so <laughs> They're mercenaries, right? They're 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 not there because they thought, "Oh, you know, this is really a uh, a good fight we must fight for our empire." It's more like, "Oh, that's a good job I could get paid and my family needs the money."
1: Yeah, um, but also it, it, the the First World War was Germany trying to get an empire. <laughs> so it's like true. I'm not saying and, they're the good guys. I'm just saying yeah. that
0: this this idea of of bringing in outsiders, especially ones of another race, there is a line quite near the end uh, that it's not from Graham's point of view. It's sort of just from the author's point of view, and it says the the black off uh, black soldiers were thinking, smiling, sh- bright shiny teeth, thinking about the fun they were going to have in London. And yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> That's, that's really interesting because that does make it sound a lot more racist, is yeah, it in. in the
2: in the whole background that we were talking about h d. world's racism beforehand, <laughs> jesse um uh-huh. when I read this and there's this in the chapter and uh, chapter fourteen, it says ostrog's point of view, and there's like where they talk and talk and talk, and then Graham says, even through the pitch of bringing a negro police he said. They are useful, said Ostrog. They are fine, loyal brutes with no wash of ideas in their heads, such as our rebel has. I don't know what rebel is.
1: Rebel is a crowd.
2: Anyway, mm-hmm. so yeah. I can't believe that this is only like, I mean, he, H.G. Wells talks it about could these,
0: be the character being racist, but I, I he talks, think. i think the
2: whole book about these black people, and it's such a, in such a, in such as like a down. Like, well,
1: well, they were the savages. You know, that's the way that they were seen by a lot of people.
2: And would you then say it's not it's not racism because it, at at the time it was seen like that?
1: Well, it is racism. But the point oh, yeah. the it point is is racism, that he's yeah. making isn't a racist point. He can use racist language and be racist, but his point isn't racist. You know, no, the point he's not, the to point, point to, of this book is racist, not racist, oh, but yeah, it has yeah, racism it, in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is totally like It is nothing if not racist. But he, he, it isn't, it isn't like a, a it isn't a necessarily racist policy. You know, I'm not saying, oh, it's great language. I'm just saying he was, <laughs> with the attitudes of his day, he, he's not trying to say that. Um, I so don't know. It's a weird. Not, thing. He's
2: not using that language to point out a racist point. He is just racist. racist. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's not only that. It's not only the the uh, the people in his books being. Racist. Uh, I, agree. I think I think
0: I think you know it's it's pretty clear at this time. Uh, he, he was ambivalent. I know that he was ambivalent about race um, because mm. in other stories. They're specifically you know they're making points that you know the white people ain't so great either, right? Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, that's what the not, world is it, very anti-colonial or not anti-colonial. It's kind of explaining I, colonialism from the point of view of the other side. It's like what happened exactly. to. If what we did to other countries, what would happen if we did that to London? But again, he's he's being critical. He's just a little bit. He's not as critical as
0: he should be. He's a little hypocritical. But nobody.
1: No, we're not like people are going to look back in 100 years and see us like they didn't
2: do anything. Yeah.
1: Like we're going, oh, but what about the the, the dolphins? How could everybody not be out there saving dolphins all the time? And what about, you know, I don't know what the issue is going to be in 100 years time. But that's the thing. There is no way for me to know what the issue is going to be in 100 years' time. Because if I did know, well, I guess, I guess that's why we read science fiction, so we can see that. Yeah. But even a science fiction guy who's saying, "Oh, in the issue in the future, is going to be massive economic suppression," which is very clever of him, but he's still <laughs> going to miss the stuff which is right at home. You know, we still have yeah, one thing that's completely missing, right? That that he
0: never ever invents is the computer. They're, they're actually mentioned in the story that there are these calculating boys <laughs>
1: yeah. right but that's, that's not everything social he issue
0: he turns right? wrong one of the things he says is is hypnotism is going to take over everybody's going to be doing learning everything through hypnotism
1: but Jesse, that's not what science fiction is about. He's talking about economic slavery. He's and he's doing a very good job talking about those issues and explaining what it would be like to live in this world where it isn't even a one percent owning the world anymore. It's not even the zero point one percent. It's it's the one. You know, it's the one. Like how? What do we do if we make economic disparity? Like the like we were saying before, like the the yeah economic disparity, the the, the wealth gap. What do we do? What happens if we make that wealth gap one person to everybody? You know, or you know, it's kind of spread out
2: a bit more in the middle. Yeah, But it's a bit different because it, it is actually not only one person because there is this council and there yes, are yes. M- multiple people uh, talking about the wealth of one person, but they are they are a certain amount. There like are twelve yes. people.
1: Yeah, I understand that. And,
0: and, those, and, then and those people are all all you know, they're pl- they're. The managers for the plutocrat, who's yeah. who's not present on the scene until the beginning of the book, right? Yeah.
1: My my point is that like we can't we can't fault H. G. Wells for not predicting everything perfectly and inventing oh, no, everything no. In the past no, no, no. because Nobody's he was talking that. about one issue. Like it's or, striking. Or it's two striking that it yeah.
0: it is so such a interesting picture because it's got a lot of stuff that we have right. Yeah. I mean. It almost has electronic everything, right? If you think yeah. of there's one scene in the graphic that's very well depicted uh, where all everybody's standing around in the street and they' all got these these uh, speakers plugged into their ears. And there's one uh, this is uh, repeated many times in the book that you know people don't read newspapers. They listen to these blaring speakers. There's big ones. There's little ones, and there's ones for every kind of class. So the upper-class people, they get upper-class propaganda, and the lower-class people, they get lower-class propaganda. Um, these pipes are being piped in for free, right, yeah. to everybody. And yeah, and
1: it's all with cables, it, of course. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it's, it's literally like speakers, and yeah. you, know, it, it, you get the sense that these are going 24-7, right, that it's yeah, not okay. just... Um, and that is... I mean, it's almost like the fire hose of, of media now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to have media all
1: day long, you can. Yeah, it's talk radio going straight into your brain. I know,
2: and- it's people just- wearing their headphones everywhere mm-hmm. all the time. It mm-hmm. is pretty much the same thing. I mean, they are wired, and they listen to well, – I mean, they listen not to news and not stuff, but they listen to, let's say, podcasts and, and um, music and audiobooks. And- but
1: I think a lot of people – like, we choose which podcasts we're going to listen to, and we choose which audiobooks we listen to. Like, we choose the content down to exact shows or exact content, because a lot of people just turn on the TV and see what's on, you know. And that, that for me, is just um, just awful, you know, just – I think, I, it's, I think that's going away, though. I mean, it, yeah, it is, it's it's like much
0: more YouTubey and more more um, yeah. whatever's hot today sort of thing. Which yeah. which also, it, I mean, this is a very very interesting because it's obviously like I was thinking those are newspapers. Each each one of those those streams for the different levels. Remember, London used to have like forty newspapers, right? There was one for, you know, if you're an upper-class businessman, you're a lawyer, you're a left-wing lawyer, you're a right-wing lawyer. There was a newspaper for everybody.
1: I was actually explaining this to Juliana the other day. She was saying, what's a broadsheet and what's a tabloid and what's the Berlin format and what's these other formats of newspaper? And I was like, oh, yeah. Tab- tabloids are things that you can stand up and read. No, you can read while standing up, holding in one hand, and flip the pages around and read it. And a broadsheet is for your manager who has a desk and can sit down, open the broadsheet wide across the desk, and read it. You know, and there's different styles of journalism, and just the different, literally, the different format it shows of what paper you're reading. Like the different size of the paper you're reading shows what class you are and what your role is in society. Um, today, I don't know if you have them over there, but today we
0: have a lot of. Uh, there's like one newspaper, right? It's tabloid style, or maybe two, one, uh, but they're owned by the same company. Um, yeah. But there's yeah. all these free papers that are really small, and they're dailies, right? They're, yeah, like daily meta- paper. In the UK, like
1: that.
0: Right, um, that tiny format is because you're not going to read it very much, right? You're just going to read it while you're waiting for your bus stop or something.
1: It's only yeah. you know, it's, it's a completely commute, it's a commute paper, not a newspaper. Yeah, exactly. Right then, do we have more to say? Oh,
2: I, want, I have one more thing. I uh, I was looking for the Ostrog again, Yeah. and you know, in in 1894 there was Jack the Ripper going on in London. Yeah, and there was the um uh, the the main investigator called uh, Melville McNaughton. Yeah, that is his word. Yeah, is his name. And um, he had three suspects, and one one of the suspects was um uh, a man named Michael Ostrog. A Russian born ah. thief and con man who affected several aliases and disguises and was detained in asylums in several occasions.
1: Asylums, yeah.
2: So maybe uh Wells read about this, this the name oh, no. in oh, no. the uh, who is a
1: thief and a conman, yeah. yeah. That is actually really clever. Nice. That is uh, that could be uh, you could have worked out where Ostrog comes from. That is uh, that is a good one.
0: That's a very good find.
1: I, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about the airplanes
0: and the symbolism of that for a second. And I also want to talk about, uh, it was all a dream. <laughs> because I think there's yeah, something to that. I was expecting
2: bad. actually that at the end to be all just no. I, oh
1: yeah, because well, we're going to talk about Oh, another it is, name kind of. that we came up was Helen. Helen was the face which uh, launched a thousand ships, and I was like, ah! Uh, also, that goes back to those three books, remember?
0: And I think this is very interesting. At the beginning, or... Chapter seven, we he wakes up in that room, the fir- in the original edition, he only sees the man who would be king. But in the ones we read, it's the man who would be king, uh, heart of darkness, which yeah. this is kind of got that going on a little bit. And, uh, the third one is the Madonna of the future. Yeah. I don't know that book. Well, it, you don't need to, you just need to know the
1: title. Uh, okay.
2: So you're saying the Madonna of the future in the book. You're saying Helen is the Madonna of the future?
1: Sure.
0: Okay. Right? My I name? mean, clearly the man who would be king is his, uh, our hero, Graham, right? I mean, yeah. he wakes up in the future, oh, I'm king of the world.
2: <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. Uh, it's just a kind mean, of a joke,
1: right? Yeah, it is a joke. I, 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 quite, I just realized, yeah, you said it was by Henry James, which is quite a fun yeah. reference to his... Uh, but it, uh, came it, it hadn't been written at the original
0: publication. Uh, yeah, yeah. Neither of these, those two, were subsequently written between the revision and the oh, original. Oh, so I publication. see. So
2: while he wrote the first version, that book wasn't there yet. And then in that's 1910, right. yeah. Then he put Both in the of those books the existed. Of Madonna, so it. James, them in. ah, that's quite clever. What yeah, is it, it is about?
0: I don't
1: know.
2: <laughs> I um, can't tell you. Maybe we it's should God's know, title. and then we can see who the Madonna is. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, so you wanted to say about um, the uh, oh yeah the end of the book I quite like the end of the book he actually says oh in the uh, original version it looked like it looked like the people were going to beat Ostrog and that he definitely won uh, the people definitely won but in the um, in the forward no in the preface he actually says uh, let me just bring up that section here because it's said uh, Quite he says, I have also, with a few strokes of the pen, eliminated certain dishonest and regrettable just suggestions that the people beat Ostrog. My Graham dies, as all his kind must die, with no certainty of either victory or defeat. Who will win? Ostrog or the people? A thousand years hence. That will still be just the open question we leave today." And, uh, yeah, so I really like the, the ending of this, and that's why last time when we were going to do this and Julianne hadn't read the ending, I, you know, I didn't want to get too much into this because, like you say, I think the ending is ambiguous, even if it's real, you know. Yeah, and uh, think about uh, think about what he, he says when he
0: finds out that they've got airplanes, right? He says, oh, my God, I used to dream about flying all the time. And that's yeah. his dream, right? Literally, that's his dream. And at the end of the book... He's flying, and he's flying, and he's flying, and then um, he he's crashing. He's falling. He's falling, and he wakes up, <laughs> or whatever, right? Yeah, it, That's, that's like a that. very common dream, is you're flying
1: or you're falling, yeah. and you wake up. But it says right at the very beginning, let me bring up my notes here, because I actually made a note Yeah, when I was actually talking about the notes. It, it says... Um, you know, suicide over that cliff, or any clip for that matter, as an artist, blah, blah, blah. You know, he, he's actually looking for something. You said actually all the way through this book, there is there are mentions of him being, you know, on the side of a cliff or above a cliff up in high places. Mm-hmm. And the book mm-hmm. starts with him walking along cliffs. So is it like right. him in a, you know, he falls asleep at the top of the cliff. That's the imagery that he has in his mind. And, and then things.
2: he falls down.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, um...
0: And, and I also think of those two guys, his Bister and... uh Warming as being kind of reflected in in the future with Lincoln and and Ostrog. I know that they're not uh, exactly parallel, but they they both in the original story were uh, sorry in the original part the early part of the book they are both uh, thinking about our main character Graham right and what relationship they're going to have to him. Uh, we find out later that they. They set up this trust, right, after he's fallen asleep. Yeah. Uh, and that setup is later go- paralleled in the later story with the the council and Ostrog and Lincoln. Lincoln and Ostrog trying to take over the role of the council. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's not exactly parallel, but it it doesn't defeat the it's all a dream story, which I yeah. think is so obvious as to be, it's kind of interesting because, it's...
1: it's fun. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I like this, let's, just read, let's just read this end bit, because it is good. He, says, he said, In such a fall as this, countless dreams have ended, but in a moment he would wake. His thoughts ran swifter and swifter. He wondered if he should not see Helen again. It seemed unreasonable that he should not see her again. It must be a dream, yet surely he would meet her. At least she was real. She was real. He would wake and meet her. Although he could not look at it, he was suddenly aware that the Earth was very near the end <laughs> and it is it is like uh, like when I've I have done lots of falling and flying and stuff in my dreams and you always like just before you like just before you hit the ground in the dream when you're falling if you've fallen off something you tense your body as you're going to hit
2: yeah. and as you
1: tense the dream ends because that's when you wake up yeah.
2: um, I just read the the the, the original ending and uh, in the original ending he's is re- he, he's actually dying yeah and um i I don't know, but um these two endings are so different from each other,
1: oh yeah, this is it yeah, it's sort of like and his doubts were at an end, the end <laughs> like,
2: oh. yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's it and uh and in in the um in the story that we read, um it's just open, and you you can think about yourself, did he survive? did he wake up, did he die?
1: did he win did what, he lose what? yeah
2: yeah, but I kind of thought that he actually did win.
1: Well, he took out Ostrog, but that doesn't mean that another big man isn't going to come up and take over. Of course not. But
2: before that, he all that he held his big speech and he uh, he put all his wealth to the people. Yeah. Whatever that means, but um, maybe that has some meaning in, in in the future of their future.
1: Yeah. Don't know. So, do you have a uh, you are saying about the the airplanes, or are you just saying about the the dream uh, stuff? Well. In, uh, there's a, um,
0: uh, really good book that we did a podcast on, and I, I'm totally blind. Olaf Stapleton's, um, uh, I want to say Star Maker, but it's The Last and First Men. That's what it's called.
1: Last Olaf and first Sta- man. Yeah, you, have that you guys read be- that? What? Have you guys read that book? Uh, I read uh, the, about the first quarter of it, and oh, I did a review right. of it. But I didn't finish it, so I didn't rate it right. or anything. It just wasn't um, a book.
0: It's not really a novel. It's a book, and it's a fascinating book, and it's 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 set uh, it starts at the time it's written and goes deep into the future, many many futures, uh, all the you know, but all concurrent to each other. And one of the, one of the sequences is about airplanes. Yeah. Uh, everybody's obsessed with airplanes and. Um, They have this code, similar like you know, a class of people who fly airplanes, and there that is the most high class you can be. And then that culture declines uh, because of uh, they run out of gasoline or something for their airplanes, and
2: it's
0: kind of funny. But what's interesting is uh, Olaf Stapleton makes a, I think, very obvious point of pointing to the shape of an aircraft as being a cross, and. (laughs)
1: But H.G. Wells didn't his, know what the shape was. His his airplanes looked nothing like cross. I know
0: that. I know that. But I think I think that Olaf Stapleton is had would have probably have read this book, and he's doing something similar to mm. what else is doing. And that's he's just taking that little step farther. Because if you look at what Graham does, he is the king of the earth, right? And he sacrifices himself for the good I of think- mankind.
2: Do you mean he's he's a kind of Christ figure?
0: He's a Christ figure. And if you look at the... Uh, the risen uh, from the, the dead. Uh, oh. yeah, that's right. He's risen from the dead. He's he's the prophet. He's prophesied mm-hmm. he will he make and save and find. Right, exactly.
1: Got um, he's got his... He's got oh, his Judas. Um, he's got, Judas. The thing is, he's he's got is- his Madonna of the future. Yeah, and he's right? got the Judas and all these other things. Uh, He goes to meet with the um he go he walks around he does he
2: he meets the old man yeah the
1: the old man crying in the distance yeah so maybe it could be a gospel retelling the thing is that story is so I mean there are so many good well known good points with with the Jesus story and it's the same with creation and Adam and Eve and all that kind of stuff Uh, you can I'm not saying you can read it into any story but it's I, I, a little I, more obvious here i mean he
0: if you look at those those illustrations again it literally has jesus up on the cross and it's described in yeah. the book uh, in mm-hmm. graphic detail yeah. <laughs> in graphic detail you see right. in a description right. of the graphic uh the right. you can see exactly how jesus was tortured right yeah. so it's it's full color it's holographic it's amazing to look at um and we have those movies right as well where you can now see Jesus up on the cross, and you can see the the temptation of Christ and yeah. the Mel Gibson one, right?
1: It, it's, yeah, but I'm saying within the book, it, like you're right, it, he is a he is a, a mythic figure in his own right. I mean, like they say, there is there is that like the empty tomb moment where they come in and he's risen, and you get the you get the women coming in and noticing first, and all these other things. Yeah. You know, you do have those scenes. Which yes, if you want to if you want to bring them directly from the Bible, I mean. That's the kind of stuff which, what my point was that there are so many allusions to this kind of stuff in so many books that I kind of, you kind of tune it out of the (laughs) modern day, you know? Well, yeah, but a lot of them not, are not that well done either. And I think yeah. it's pretty well done here. But my my interesting point about this is that in the Bible, there are loads and loads and loads of allusions to, you know, stuff like great literature around, you know, like the um, Septuagint, like the Greek Old Testament, uh, the Greek language Old Testament, the, you know, the Odyssey, the other Homeric epics, you know, those kind of things. There's loads and loads of those references in the Bible, but people now don't notice them because the Bible has kind of taken over the imagery. Um, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean? So uh, there, there was, I, it goes. It goes many layers deep.
2: I think what doesn't quite fit with that um, with that idea, or maybe maybe he did make it on purpose or so. But I don't think like H. G. Wells wasn't really a, a, a religious person, was he? I mean, no. he was a Darwinist, and he yeah, he also was like m- materialist. Yeah, he was also. But you don't have to be to to put it
0: in there. I mean, Arthur C. No, Clarke no. is is totally atheist. And every book of his is
1: super spiritual. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I say. I do think I, you have convinced me very much that it is a. It is, it is a,
2: very, very. It obvious. is a Christ
1: story in yeah. a way. Which, but like I say, there has many books been written that every story comes back to these uh, these mythic things. But like the, the whole like like what I'm saying is like in the Bible when Jesus is described as the Son of Man and he will come like this and he'll return like this, the, the imagery uh, uh, that imagery at the time wasn't Jesus imagery. It was imagery of angels in the book of Daniel and other previous books, you know? So I'm just saying that those same images and the same redemptive story, the Jesus story is just one of them. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it in its own right, had its own literary sources from beforehand too. So do we have much more else to say about this or, or can we wrap this up? The only, only note I want to make uh, is
0: that if, this is not the only story set in this world. Um, there is another story um, it's called uh, the, uh Visit to the Future or The Shape of Things to Come. I'm not sure the which
1: Story of it. Days to Come. A Story a of form, Days to Come. That's what it's the called. The of the Novels uh, being the tale set within the same future society. Mm-hmm. So 1897. It's actually, so it came out before. Yeah.
0: Which is kind of interesting. And it's shorter. Um, and I actually want to read that now.
1: Um, okay. Okay. I'm sure, I, started, I'm sure actually are- I actually have
0: started reading it it, it. it does not have the same exact premise, um, and it deals more with the countryside. This is sort of the one of the things we didn't touch on that much. But the reason the cities are are so full of people is because the countrysides have been emptied. And I yeah. think maybe you were saying in the one of the introductions that you know H.G. Wells was. Well, I, I know in one point he says the countryside is being emptied. It used to be the case that farmers lived within 8 kilometers or miles of of a town so that they could sell their goods at market every day yeah right and and in england i mean this is a huge thing right is the is people part of the colonization is kicking people off their land putting sheep on it and sending them off to farm in yep. canada
1: yeah um, so, so much that the highlands of scotland <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, that, and that that
2: is taken over by the nature
1: no, no. The landowners they go well. We need this for sheep and all the people who live there. Are like no, we want to u- use this and they're like sheep, no, sheep. Closer, over people. Yeah, sheep. That's what happened. All oh, of really? Sc- That's why. That's why all the Scottish and Irish people were like, oh well, fuck this, we are leaving. Not in Ireland as much, but in Scotland, there they used to be loads more people living out in the in the countryside, and they were all cleared off the wo- off the land. So when you got the, oh, it's all wild, it's all empty, it's all natural. Yeah, it used to be full of people.
2: Oh really? And yeah. then
1: now now they all live in. You know, Canada. America and, and Glasgow. Or um, Berlin. Australia. Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't know. Not so sure how <laughs> many Scottish people came to Berlin, but uh, it happens. So uh, they all left the cities, though, or you know, the
0: countries, and then eventually they're in the cities. And yeah, it, the there, was a, there was a statistic the other day saying that uh, well, more than fifty percent of the world now lives in a city. Right. It, yeah. At the time, it wouldn't yeah. have been that high, but it was on that. It was definitely on
1: that trend yeah right? I mean, I, this is I when just, it really started happening i was I was listening to the audiobook of um uh, among others and that's there's some of that is set in Wales and they said well in in Scotland, everyone had to leave the countryside and go and here, but in Wales, people left the countryside and just went into the valleys and worked in the industrial mines and here and stuff in the valleys themselves, you know so they actually stayed. Not in the countryside, but the population exploded, and everyone came not to a city or leaving to the New Worlds. They would actually stay in the, in the valleys and work but there. I think
2: this is the this is the thing that happens when you uh, the more a, a country or a world is developing, more and more people come to to the city because they think there's work and they don't want to work uh, on the countryside anymore because it's hard hard work. But and also, there's, there's no leaving.
1: services. There's
0: no yeah. services
1: in yeah. the country, right? But also, the more the more people who spend their life growing food for people for themselves, like it's much more efficient to have few people making all of the food for everyone than loads and loads of people making food for loads and loads of other people. Just to, for the economies of scale, it just works out way better economically for everyone. I mean, it, it doesn't mean that everyone is happy, but um, yeah, it's it's still a it's still a better use of manpower and resources to have a few people it's doing more all efficient. The it's more yeah, it's efficient. More efficient. The less people go hungry. If everybody is trying to eat from the same, like if every b- person who's got their own little piece of land and is trying to farm on that little piece of land, and something goes wrong with their land, they're fucked. So it's better if it, the the risk is spread out among bigger people who can, you know, trade the risk between them. That is, anyway, part of the economic theory behind it. Um, mm-hmm. And I would, and I think, I think it's a a good thing that more people live in cities than in countries, j- just in general. Um,
2: uh, well, I don't know. We'll
1: do, okay, really, if you think no, I I,
2: could, I I I have no idea about the countryside. I wasn't grown up. With, I was grown up in cities. I have no idea about living in the countryside. So I would be the, the worst person to ask uh, if I could live in the country. I could probably learn. It, stuff,
1: it looks very pretty, and it's very it's kind of healthy in a way. I think the, I think the, the, the access, anything, to anything, the access to anything, access to anything.
0: Now that the, the internet places. is making things much more accessible, I mean. Uh, I lived in a small town when I was a kid, and you know if you wanted to go to the bookstore, you had to travel uh, hundred kilometers right It was not there was no one there. so you, you you know today you can have culture with people in Europe or in Canada or in Brazil, whoever you want to have with yeah, you can but- have products delivered that you couldn't possibly find in your local neighborhood town and it it could allow people to go live in the country as long as they have internet. And mail yeah, but it's delivery, not just right?
1: Just about internet. It's also about. It's not just access to so internet knowledge and a lot of... more...
0: I mean, if you if you walk
1: around town now, you'll see a lot of people staring at screens. Mostly, they're staring at the internet. My point is that you can't get to the hospital on the internet. You can't get... That's uh, true. Services are much better You can't get choice of live entertainment. You can't get choice of people. Like, literally, people. I grew up, and because I was a Christian, I was taught that I could only have a girlfriend who was a Christian, which meant that my choice of Christian girlfriends was like four girls in my town because I lived in oh, such no. a small town, and then my brother got together with one of them, so then it was only three girls <laughs> who, who I could:
2: blue: uh, oh, I'm just saying
1: it's, it's, it's access to it's not just the internet, it's access to everything as well. <laughs>